Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. I'm your host, Greg Phelps, and with us once again is Tifa Snow. And our, our topic today is one that actually made me cringe. You know, you've known me for quite a while and probably vouch for me. You say I'm generally not too cringe. Wow. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, oh, makes me worry because now if, if Greg is cringing, it's like, uh-oh, what's this one going to be? But here, here's the question. And okay. can you ask Tipa to talk about restraint versus support for procedures? And it just brought back uh, triggers, you know? So maybe you can put a few minds at ease and explain both terms and why one is better than the other and some skills that obviously some people need. Yeah. So back in the day, now this has been quite a while, Greg, so you and I have been, been around for quite a while. Back in the day in the 1980s, um, we went through a period of time where we determined that, you know, we were using a lot of what we called physical restraints and chemical restraints to keep, quote unquote, to keep people living with dementia safe. And unfortunately, a careful investigation of our practices found that we were actually contributing to the deaths of people living with dementia at an alarming rate um, because the use of physical restraints actually increased distress state and caused people to behave in irrational, erratic ways so that um, death by strangulation, death by distress. It, it actually, people had heart attacks, people died. Uh, they asphyxiated themselves. They would get trapped in their restraints. They would fall out of the bed head first. Um, they would take the wheelchair with them. I mean, and I'm talking about alarming numbers. So we learned early on that physical restraints in, in terms of using sheets or, or physical restraints, mitts, gloves, those kinds of things to hold people down, strap them in their chairs, um, use, using seat belts that people couldn't get off, um, putting them in chairs they couldn't get out of. People are pretty resilient trying to move when we don't want them to move if they think they're trapped. And so that physical restraint phenomena increased physiological distress, physical distress, emotional distress, sensory distress, and it actually was harmful. Um, we tried chemical restraints, and unfortunately chemical restraints are nonspecific, and for people who are being chemically restrained, it basically suppresses all function. So this is where it gets tricky. So I heard you say, the, the, the person who wrote it said, um, for a procedure, Let's say catheterization or something. Catheterization. Yeah. So what, what we've historically done is we did go ahead and medicate people so that we could do these things. The problem with people living with dementia is it often isn't easy to get them to a place where they understand. And so just a little bit of a topical anesthesia or, you know, um, analgesic. So we can, we can say, okay, we're going to run this tube up and I'm going to give you something just to numb you. You'll be okay. Well, somehow messing with somebody's private parts when I'm laying down and people have my legs pulled apart and I'm supposed to lay still and you're going to be pulling my body parts and shoving something in. It turns out for people living with dementia, that's a little more um, distressing than it would be someone who understood the reason for it was you're checking my prostate uh, enlargement and do I have uh, urinary retention? I mean, so 
historically what we used to do is use multiple people to hold somebody down and try to stabilize them. And it turns out that's pretty risky to do for a variety of reasons. Um, what do you think would happen to your blood pressure in those situations, Greg? Off the charts. Mine, mine is going up even just listening or talking about this with you. Now, whose blood pressure would go up? <laughs> Everybody's. Well, and this is the risk. It's sort of like, well, we don't think as well. We don't. We aren't as careful when we're in those situations. And so, what we were doing was unfortunately not only causing trouble for us for the people that live with dementia, but for ourselves sometimes. Um, and we were causing harm. And so, what we found out is we can support people differently. And that's part of our work. And so some of the work that we do, hand under hand, guidance, assist and support and stabilization can really take a situation that I am so sorry, there is no way to make it comfortable to have somebody mess with you. But if I can just keep it uncomfortable and not frightening or infuriating or a sense that I'm being violated and it's not calling forth really primitive reactions, then we're both all of us actually are safer. And I'm more likely to get numbers that are closer to accurate numbers. So if taking a blood pressure requires four people to hold somebody still to take a blood pressure, I don't know why we're bothering because we're not getting an accurate blood pressure anyway. If we give people medications to sedate them, we're not getting an accurate blood pressure anyway. So the idea of us starting to understand for people living with dementia, much as we found for people who have intellectual disabilities or have other physical disabilities, we may need to do some adaptations and, and some changes to be supportive and to support someone fairly significantly and firmly. But there should always be someone who's the advocate for the individual who says, pause, pause, that's enough, stop this is hurting. This is really hurting her. And we need to pause because we got to figure out what's going on here. Um, the difference between being uncomfortable and being in pain and the idea of hitting pain points with somebody living with dementia and ignoring their feedback um, to me is not okay anymore. I think what we have come to appreciate is pain matters. I've also seen similar reactions for persons living with dementia who are being put into lifts. It, to me, it seems fairly harmless, like, whoopee, I'm getting it right. Yeah, but, well, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> and people say that until I put them in the list, I blindfold them and I strap their arms on near their chest and their legs. And then suddenly I move the chair or I do the lift and it's like, whoa, because when you suddenly have that sense of being powerless and somebody's not listening to you and you're going, whoa, 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 and I'm still going. Um, and you feel like you're swaying and moving and you, you, whoa. And the same thing happens even getting out of a chair. If I pull on you and, and it feels like I'm pulling you off balance, our brains are designed to protect us. And so it's an emergency reaction. So yeah, even things like lifts or pulling my legs apart to clean me could re be a quote unquote procedure where we think, well, yeah, well, you just have to hold them. Let's get two or three people. And it's well, like, I got to get it done, Deepak. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. That attitude of task before person. Um, we're, we're really not in favor because ultimately we think it works against people because the next person who comes into the situation may not have known how significantly it bothered someone. And that person's brain did recall the event, not clearly, but enough to know that if you come close, I will take you out. And what we did is increase the risk for the next time or the next time, or we've 
you've creative. got hundreds, maybe oh. even thousands of videos out there. I'm not sure you've got, you've got them all <laughs> over the place. But is is there one specific to this, or is or is this topic just a little bit too focused, and you need to actually maybe take some training on this? I would say training first before a focus, because people are still looking for the magic answer. And what I've got to say is, it's skill. It's awareness, knowledge, and skills, the magic answer, because I've got to come to believe that you have a point of view when you live with dementia and yours has value. And it's not my job to say no point of view. It's my job to figure out, okay, what's going on here? And until I get curious, I can't be really helpful. What, what sort of a course does a positive approach offer? Well, we can start with something as simple as watching videos um, that are free on YouTube, or you could actually take one of our champion courses and see what that does for you, because it helps you understand some of the changes people are living with. So some of the changes we might make to support their ability to tolerate us and to understand us and to work with us rather than resist us. Tipa, once again, thank you very much. Greg, thank you. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partners podcast series brought to you by Positive Approach to Care. For more information on today's topic or other information relating to dementia, go to tipasnow.com.